0: Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Karfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. Today's episode was part of our NBC webinar series that we host every other week with Abigail Johnston, and then capture the audio and use it for our amazing podcast, Breast Cancer Conversations. So I am so excited you guys are tuning in. And today's topic, while it's kind of titled like the death talk because we are talking about death, it is actually so powerful with the amazing and beautiful and gifted healer, for lack of a better word, a death doula, a master Reiki professional, someone who is helping us understand literally that if we live a good life, we are able to die with great dignity. Everyone is going to die. This is a true fact. And if this is a fact of life, how come we're not talking about it? Gabby is definitely talking about it. And I'm so glad you guys are tuning in today because we talk about the beautiful, the scary, the fear, and really how to help honor, whether it's yourself coming towards the end of life or a loved one, to honor that experience and hold space for that person. So I am so excited that you're here today to listen to this really powerful conversation. Before we get started, I just want to make sure that you know about all of our offerings and programs that we support through survivingbreastcancer.org, our 501c3 nonprofit. So if you are new to our organization, I would encourage you to hop on over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events, where you can see a plethora of programs that we offer week over week between movement classes such as yoga, qigong, Pilates, we also offer support groups for a variety of breast cancer subtypes, including inflammatory breast cancer and metastatic breast cancer, as well as all stages. We offer a breast cancer book club where we read books that have absolutely nothing to do with breast cancer, so I encourage you to also join there. So there's so many ways to get involved. We also have weekly blogs that we produce and really growing this community to provide you with education, support, and resources um, as you navigate a breast cancer diagnosis. Last but not least, please show us some love over on social media, Instagram. You can follow us at surviving breast cancer org, all one word, as well as our guest speaker today, Gabby at the death talk.
1: Part of the healing is understanding that sometimes our thoughts, feelings, emotions, they get very cloudy. We are distracted. So sometimes our body screams, it's like, now stop, pause, look at me. And sometimes the opportunity to stop pause is the beginning of your healing.
0: Welcome to the conversation.
1: I wanted to understand why am I here then and what is life worth for if all that I'm doing is waiting to maybe go to paradise once I'm dead. Um, Through a lot of studies, I found healing and found comfort I wouldn't say I found answers because I feel sometimes that the more we study the more we find questions and answers and it's just beautiful because it is expansion of of the mind and through those studies I learned about being a birth doula so I am also a birth doula I learned about tantra which is a it comes from India, but basically explains the word in a completely different way. <laughs> Tantra says that we can only evolve as a human, as a soul, through experiences with our physical body. So our experiences are sacred and they should be honored. And they completely changed my mind and I'm very grateful. Right after that, I learned about becoming a deaf doula. <laughs> and I totally embraced it, and it's been a beautiful journey because, like you said, it is a subject that not a lot of people are comfortable talking about. I went to Hawaii to study about birth and death, and when I was studying about death, (laughs) I realized that I knew almost nothing about it, and that's how the Death Talk was born. Because I said, if I know nothing about this and I am so grateful to access this knowledge, I need to make the best that I can in life to help others to live a conscious life and a conscious death. Because people die the same way that they live. So once we live a conscious life, this moment of death can be enlightenment. This is just the way I see it.
0: That is so beautifully said. Thank you.
2: I think I remember that the, the definition of doula is is basically helper, like somebody who comes alongside. It, is that the definition that you would give of a of a death doula, somebody who's coming alongside you as you're making this transition?
1: Yeah, so the doula is a non-medical person that is supporting people through rites of passage such as birth and death. And you mentioned that it is the unknown. Birth and death are a portal into the unknown. And the doula's role is to provide, what I really love is to provide quality information because I truly believe that fear is when we have something in the darkness. So through quality information, we can bring it to light. We can see that it's perhaps not as scary as we think it is. I believe that birth and death, for example, are human, normal human experiences. We are all born. We all die. We don't know when. So what do we do with the life that's given? So the doula is here to provide quality information Something that was groundbreaking for me when I was studying death in Hawaii was learning about home funeral. My family is middle class. One of the questions that I always had was like, can I afford to die? (laughs) It's expensive. (laughs) It is expensive. And when you are going through that, it's a lot of stress. When the fam- when someone leaves and the family has to make choices, last minute they want to make sure that you have the best experience. And when I learn, well, you can have a home funeral and that can be just as beautiful, perhaps even more profound. So the doula is here to teach you that home funeral is an option, a green burial. Nowadays, you know, we are not just concerned with our life and death, but what is the planet that we are living in for the next generations? What is our legacy? So the doula can teach you about your options. The importance of talking about less wishes. The doula also provides companionship. And I like to say there is a person called Ram Das, who used to do Dharma talks. And he always talked about holding space as a loving awareness. So when you look at a tree, you just love the tree. You don't try to change it. And it's the same with our human, with our beloved ones. Holding space, companionship is just witnessing someone and the light that comes out of them without trying to fix, without uh, taking away their power. So the doula is here to hold your hand and empower you through these transitions. That can sometimes feel isolating because there is so much guilt and shame. Yeah, The doula is also holistically (laughs) holding space for anything that's emotional, mental, physical, if you need physical help. And lastly, I like to say spiritual, not necessarily religious, because the doula is here to support you, non-judgmental help. So I can't work with anyone from any walks of life, (laughs) respecting where they're coming from. Maybe they want to have a religious experience or not. My role here is just to make sure that we honor your life and your wishes.
0: I love that definition of holding space, not needing to change something.
2: It's hard to not want to fix, right? It's hard to not want to give Advice or instruction, and that sort of thing, but but such magic occurs when someone just is just there with you. I love the 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 metaphor of the tree. You're not trying to change the tree; you're just being there with the tree. I love that. Um, so let's maybe turn to your. We've got a slide deck here. You've got some of your the different offerings that that you have specifically. So I'd love for you to talk through that next, if you
1: would. But as I was sharing, the de- dev talk was born from my wish to share all the wisdom that i gained and my question was how can we embrace the fact that death is coming it doesn't matter where you come from uh how much money you have in your bank account all the papers hanging on your wall sometimes death comes from the back we have no control Something that we used to say at my training is, hi, my name is Gabby, I'll die and I don't know when. Your name is Abigail, you die and I don't know when. So we bring it to light. And when I decided to create the talks, the intention was to have specific themes so we can go deeper into each theme, bring them to light. This the At the same time that I am talking, I invite whoever is participating to talk and share about their experiences. And usually I have a talking stick because we want to make sure that whoever is talking is just talking and everyone is just listening. And at the end we say, thank you. We don't give our own opinions because we respect the human who is in front of us. So I'll just quickly touch on each talk. The way we are born says a lot about how we live and die. Oftentimes, trauma starts at birth, starts during pregnancy. So it's never too late to address whatever happened in the past so we can live life more fully. I also teach about cycles because when we understand that everything in nature is cyclical, through life we experience many births, Lives and deaths and rebirths. I like to say that when you go to school and you graduate, that part of you is never coming back. When you start a relationship with a friend, with a partner, and for some reason you break up, that's another death. So I truly believe that we go through smaller deaths through life. And it's all preparing us to this final moment. It's all an opportunity to learn and grow. I also teach about options. As I mentioned, the greener ways of dying. Conscious death. What, is, what does it mean to have a conscious death? We talk about why we should have less wishes later as soon as possible. Uh, because sometimes death comes from the back. We have no control. so. When we don't have our last wishes letter, we leave it to our loved ones to try to scramble and figure out. Maybe they feel guilty. They don't know if they honor you. So having your letter, you can write it anytime, at any age. Talk about what is meaningful to you so we can honor you. Everyone would like to give you that gift. We also talk about grief because grief comes in waves. It's not a linear experience. I used to say that grief is if you drop a cup and it shatters on the ground, you may try to pick up the pieces and put it back together, but you always have that scar. It's the same with grief. We learn how to live with it, but society doesn't create a container for it, a safe container. There's a rush to go back to work, to be productive. It's really important to talk about grief. Like you said, Abigail will we'll be talking about things that not a lot of people like to talk. So I also plan on talking about suicide, specifically teenagers, mental health. That's an age where many many of us go through questions and have to go through it alone. I talk about astral travel and dreams because... <laughs> A person who is 70 years old spends 30 of those years dreaming. Where do we go when we dream? So it's important to understand that the dream, <laughs> when you wake up, you leave, and then you go to sleep, you have an next opportunity to be born again tomorrow. Exercising gratitude every time we get to see the sun rising every day. It's a beautiful practice. I... Also work with indigenous tribes from Brazil and plant medicine, which is very helpful at end-of-life care. Also, people can experience the so-called ego death, which is learning that our belongings, my ring, my earrings, my clothing, all of this is going to be gone one day. So learning to stay with what's essential. And nurturing our relationships. Lastly, the last talk is about the afterlife. Because the beliefs on the afterlife sometimes hold us back from living this life. So I would like to just bring awareness to all of those themes. I have done these talks in Miami in person. Through Zoom. I have also done talks at music festivals. (laughs) I had a talk that was about sex and death and how those two experiences can be orgasmic if we learn to surrender, and no expectations. And I have done this talk at a festival here in Miami and also in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> so it's been a, an interesting ride and I'm very grateful to be able to talk about these themes, connect with a lot of people, because birth, life, and death to me—they all connected when we embrace it with curiosity.
2: I, I love that. So on your deck here, the at the death talk—that's on Instagram. So we'd encourage everybody to to follow Gabby there. But we've had a couple of, of comments that, um, I you know, I, I think in some ways encapsulates what in the MBC community that we often experience. Um, And one is just being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, And and there's a lot of that that happens because we are on medication for for life and for as long as as the medication keeps us alive. And so it's hard because we're feeling that drain um, on our energy. And then not just the energy, but then there was also another comment about just it's expensive. And and you you alluded to this a little bit, just the traditional ways in, in the US, anyway, of um, and I can just give my personal experience. My father-in-law passed away last year. And um, even though we had prepaid and made some arrangements in advance, it was a whole lot more expensive uh than we had expected. So um it sounds to me, Gabby, like what you're saying that you know, a lot of these questions or a lot of this exploration of what Happens, um, it is something that a, a death doula can really help with. But um, if you could maybe address just you know the financial toxicity of being really sick means that it's harder to access some of these services. Um, and how do you work with with clients in order to meet some of those concerns or those needs?
1: The death talks they are supposed to be for everyone. Uh, that's one of the. Principles that I really meditated because, like I shared, I do work with indigenous tribes, so it'd be very easy for me to talk to the shamanic folks. <laughs> but my decision was to make it accessible for everyone because we all die, we don't know when we need to be educated as a community. <laughs> and the reason why it is deaf talk is so we can create a dialogue between many of us who are going through life. So uh, when I when I host the talks, the pricing is $22 because I would like it to be accessible. And if you're doing through Zoom, it's discounted is 18 If someone is going through financial burden, always message me. I'm happy to accommodate. When I work with clients one-on-one, I offer either one session through Zoom or a package. And I usually offer grief support, grief rituals, because we talked about grief briefly, but now going a little bit about what it means to grief and what you are describing to me. I'm sick of being sick. I'm sick of how expensive it is. There's so much going on here. and. Grief needs a place that we can put our feelings and emotions. I'm also a Reiki healer. And when we understand energy, we understand that energy wants to express itself. So if we keep grief or any other emotion, really, anger, sadness, fear, if we keep it in our body, it manifest, sometimes as a disease. What I learned is that society, we don't have room for grief when someone is gone from our life. We have a few hours and days to figure out all the logistics. And then you have to go back to work in one or two days. You have to be productive. So part of the grief ritual is, no, wait a minute. Let's look at what happened here. And I usually create a container, be it, uh, having pictures or flowers or chocolate. Uh, Tantra explains that we are alive through our senses. So using the smells, the touch, taste. When you create a grief ritual that is beautiful, you honor whatever it is that you're grieving that is not there anymore. It may be a relationship. It may be your old self before you receive the news that you have metastatic breast cancer now. You may grieve this. So it's really beautiful because it brings many possibilities. And I usually charge for my services uh, for the one or for the package and I could also travel to, to places. So if someone would like to connect with me, I can travel. We can do meetings through Zoom or in person. I believe that when we work with someone through end of life or birth, it's someone very specific. I don't believe it's a coincidence. So you can always go online and look for other deaf doulas even if you go on Google, there are many websites where you can find someone who you really resonate with because it's a life-changing experience and you can have a deaf doula for yourself and for your family because sometimes your family is also moving through all these emotions. You, it can unite you.
2: You know, it's not just the person. Going through the, the illness and the eventual loss of their life, that transition, but it's also all the people around them. And I mean, I, I have to tell you, I had a birth doula for my, my second birth, and that there's a bond there that is not really like any other bond when you go through such a transition or such a meaningful experience alongside somebody. It, it really changes uh, that relationship in, in a lot of ways. So I, I appreciate you, you sharing that.
0: Thank you, Abigail. Yeah, I appreciate that too. A lot of times, Gabby, when we're talking about end of life, whether it's our own end of life that is coming or that of a loved one, we often have this sense of fear. Can you tell us a little bit about how fear centers into all of this?
1: Something that I was meditating is that when we understand our body, we can understand a lot about our own reality. The body doesn't, the nervous system cannot differentiate between real threat and the fear that's on your mind. When we have fear that's lingering for too long and creating anxiety, that causes a chronic response. And the nervous system nowadays, it we talk a lot about fight or flight. And shut down. So we literally create chemical reactions. Cortisol levels go up, adrenaline, and as I said, when we talk, we bring it to light. You're like, wait a minute, there are other ways of doing this. It's not, it's not as scary as it seems. The Tibetans, for example, when they experience death of someone from their community they do it in a completely different way instead of quickly removing the body they sit with the body for about three days and they are celebrating the life that was lived and they are encouraging if you believe in spiritual if you believe in a soul they encourage the soul to move on they say thank you so much for coming here now you are free to go. Please move on. When I learn about all these teachings, it makes me reflect that the way that we do it here is very different. But we don't really talk about it. So how will we know that there is something different if we don't talk about it? Um, and I believe that talking also helps us to dissolve any sense of isolation. Because sometimes you may think, I'm going through this alone. But as you start sharing, you learn that a lot of people are there for you. Right? So I believe that it's an opportunity to connect when we talk. And we learn to listen.
2: Uh, that's beautiful. And as, as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, obviously, you know, co- pulling in kind of the, the concepts from, you know, AA and N A right those twelve steps of as people are recovering from these things that have power over them the the very first step is always to acknowledge that it's there um, to to identify and to say this this is the reality of the situation as you said we're all going to go through this transition um, so so important to take some of that uh, the sting or the um, the power away from something that can be really scary by doing this in community. Uh, Such an important thing. So thank you for sharing that.
1: This is a reminder that we have forgotten what is normal. Birth and death are normal human experiences. As I mentioned, (laughs) the Tibetans, they do it in a different way. I also talked about home funeral. Our ancestors used to give birth at home, used to die at home now sometimes giving birth becomes a medical emergency when it shouldn't really be a medical emergency unless it really needs to be and if i ask you maybe i'll ask you now abigail how would you like to die where do you see yourself where would you like to be
2: so that's something that I've talked a lot about with with my husband, because certainly from from my own perspective, you know, looking at myself, I would like to do that in, in my home, surrounded by my family and my things and my cat and, you know, the things that make me feel comfortable. Um, but one of the real things that we have discussed is I have young kids and would it be traumatic for them? to To experience that kind of in their space or in their home, and um, so it's it's an ongoing conversation with with my husband and I as far as what is really going to be the best thing for our entire family. But as a caveat to that, I would say that I think it it also depends on if we're able to ensure that the that my death would be comfortable, right? And I know that there are hospice organizations that that's their whole uh, role it is to keep people comfortable as they transition. But because it is such a, a, it's a complicated thing. And so I think there's always that fear. Well, what if, what if something happens that's scary? What if there's something that happens that is traumatizing for, for my kids? Uh, so it's an ongoing conversation. But But my gut and my initial response is, where I feel comfortable, where I'm at home, where where I've got my things around me and my comfortable bed and my my nest of pillows.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much. I love that you express your being mindful about your kids because they are the next generation. We want to make sure that we live it in a better way for them. So thank you for being a great mother. (laughs) And some people, for example, say they would like to die when they're sleeping. So it's just like, let's just skip this whole part. (laughs) I'll just go to sleep. And what I try to explain is that death is similar to giving birth. So it's a whole process when you are uh, near death. Usually you have a few... Signals that death is coming a few months prior, and then weeks, days, and the day off. When the soul is detaching from the body. One of the normal parts of it is that the person will stop eating meat and solids, because what keeps us here is... (laughs) When we eat, it's the fuel to this body. So as we are preparing to detach, we stop eating. That is natural. And then it's up to you, for example, to discuss your last wishes and say, would I like to receive artificial nutrition? Would I like to respect what's happening with my body? That's why these conversations are so needed. Do you understand now? Uh, Because these moments will come. And... Then the person stops drinking water. And then they lose their digestive fire. They start losing sight. They stop, they start sleeping longer and spending longer in the dream world rather than here. And lastly, it's the last breath. So, as you can tell, it's a whole process and it's similar to birth. Now we have death. And although it's not a comfortable reality, uh, it is a universal law, impermanence. It puts us in, in touch with having no control. And sometimes fear comes up. Dying shouldn't be painful. Dying should not be painful. Like you said, we have amazing ways to manage the pain that comes from the disease. I think this is important to mention. Amazing technology. I said I am a Reiki master, but I believe in integrative medicine. We can use energy healing, whatever is needed, so we can honor each one's, each person's process because we are individuals. So there is not, I cannot say it's like making a cake. There's only one way to go through this. Yeah. Yeah. But all of this to say is that even though a lot of people like to die in nature or at home with their families, many are dying in hospitals with two or three people. Some, fam- uh, some of the family cannot even come in the room. Uh, I work also with birth and I'm about to go to Seattle next week for a birth. And I was asking the mom, who can be in the room? She said, apparently only one or two people. (laughs) And there are so many who want to be there to celebrate this baby. And these experiences, they cause an impact not only on the baby, but in the family. And it's the same on those who are leaving us. If you're in a hospital, you're not even allowed to be around your loved one. That creates some pain. So the more we normalize these conversations and reflect on other possibilities, we can create these possibilities, but we have to (laughs) connect with it first, expand our mind to many different possibilities.
2: I I wanted to point out too that um, we've had a couple of comments about, you know, I need to fill out my advanced directives, right? So there are some legal documents that come into play when we're thinking about the these end-of-life decisions, right? Or expressing our wishes in advance so that our loved ones know what we want to have happen. But I wanted to point out that typically advanced directives will only cover things like when you don't want to have them, you know, give you artificial um, fluids or or nutrition or you don't want to be on a respirator that's keeping you breathing. Those advanced directives are typically about the medical stuff uh, when you may not be able to communicate those things to your loved ones or to your medical team. But I wanted to point out that there are some other lovely resources. Um, The first one that comes to mind is the five wishes document. And and that is something that, that anybody can download online um, also somebody just talked about their POLST form, uh, with that P-O-L-S-T, um, I always forget what the acronym, uh, stands for. Now that is something that isn't, um, available all in all states. Um, some states have those and they are instructions say to the paramedics, like if you have to call 911 or something like that. But the lovely thing I like about the five wishes is that it, it really looks more, I think, holistically, Um, about all the things that, you know, do you want music? Do you want um, incense? Do you want, you you know, all the different, you know, your special fluffy blanket or like your special socks? Um, You know, I think it's really important to think very mindfully and carefully about those things. And a document like the five wishes or working with someone like Gabby can help remind you that it's not just about, you know, am I getting a shot or am I getting an IV? it's also about what how you want to surround yourself um what if that, those are people if those are things if that's your your furry caregiver your cat or your dog or your horse or whoever um it's important to think about those things too so gabby i saw that you grabbed something would you like to share a resource with us
1: so there is this great book beginner's guide to the end it's by bj miller MD and Soshana Berger. I cannot recommend this enough. It's very easy to read and it talks about anything that you can imagine. Lastly, there is this (laughs) awesome, I'm dead, now what? Uh, Important information about my belongings, business affairs, wishes, so you can write your social media passwords. You can write information about your financial, bank accounts, uh, any important piece of information that's going to help your family, unless you even have a place for your wishes. I think this is great because if you don't know where to start, it gives you guidance. When you are not here anymore, who has your social media password? Or- what's going to happen to your journals or anything really that's important to you. I think that the best purpose of, the greatest purpose of doing something like this is creating peace of mind for yourself and for your loved ones. Because nobody wants to wonder what is it that you wished or how can we figure out your your passwords if it's that easy, it can take us a few minutes or hours to write it on a paper.
2: That That's, that's such that's a great reminder. My, I talked about my father-in-law who passed away last year and he was a medical doctor and he literally, it, you know, where, where his generation, where he was from, he was from Jamaica and all of that, but he had it in his mind that if we talked about these wishes, if we talked about what we were to do, that that equaled it was going to happen in his mind. And so, you know, I think a lot of people think that way, um, not necessarily in some of the older generations, but certainly that is a kind of prevailing thought process that if we talk about it, we're manifesting it, right? We're putting it out into the universe, then it's going to happen. At this same time, then as my husband and his three siblings were trying to figure out, you know, what service he wanted, what he should wear, you know, those really practical things, um, we didn't have his guidance for for what he would have wanted. And I think that um, the way that I've looked at some of these discussions or some of these, you know, providing some of this information in advance, that it is a way to show love, to show caring, to show compassion to those that who are left behind so that they're not having to wonder and worry, you know, did we do it right? Did we do the thing that our loved one would have wanted? If you provided that that information, that can be really, really helpful. I know at least on Facebook, there is an option to establish a legacy contact. Um, So if you forget to write the password down in a book like that, I have that book that you showed, Gabby, the um, I'm Dead, Now What? I think it's a great book. The only thing that they could have done better is have little pockets so you could like put things in. I have to like staple things to the pages. That legacy option, at least on Facebook, can be really helpful if you've forgotten to write your uh, password down. And one thing that I see a lot of times that happens in our community is there's a husband, a child, a friend who then goes to all the different Facebook support groups that their loved one um, participated in and, and posted very, and a lot of them will post very kind messages about how much their loved one was supported by the group and how much they got out of the connections with other people, that community. And, you know, I, I have designated someone other than my husband to do that because he would not. Um, but but I do think it's important for people to have some of those jobs or tasks. Um, after someone has passed away that way, those messages can be passed on to the people that are important to them.
1: Something important about this is choosing someone that you really trust that will follow through with your wishes. because sometimes. They want. So it's really making sure that it's someone that, who loves and respects you and will really follow through. What, I, what was coming up for me as you shared about your experience with your father in law is this fear of bringing it to manifestation. If I talk at the suicide talk, I say, talking about suicide is not suicidal. And talking about death is not creating death. Going back to energy, because when we understand that everything is energy, we don't only eat what we eat with our mouths. The conversations we have are nourishing or depleting. The friendships we have are nourishing or depleting. The music I'm listening to, is it nourishing or depleting? Being really mindful about my environment because nowadays science already proves through epigenetics that we can awaken or turn off our genes through our environment, thoughts and feelings and emotions. So I believe that it's all about how we frame it. If I have a conversation about this to bring it to light, I may experience life more fully because I am more mindful about my environment, about my relationships. I am not wasting my vital energy, wasting mental energy, thinking about something that is not bringing me life, that is not nourishing me. and Thoughts, feelings, emotions, they shape our physical body. They shape a lot of what we experience. So, investing time on having these nourishing conversations can be life giving rather than manifesting death. Because when we dissolve fear, we get out of the fight or flight experience that we talked about or shutting down. It's all about understanding that. It can be spiritual energy, but science even proves it now through epigenetics that we can choose where to put our focus and have the conversations that are needed when we have life.
0: Thank you. That's so beautiful. Gabby, as we're nearing the end of life, right, we start to reflect and ask ourselves, you know, what what was my purpose? Did I live a good life? Did I accomplish what I was meant to do? Can we talk a little bit about purpose?
1: My purpose, if there is such thing as a purpose, because ultimately I believe our purpose is to try to be as happy as we can. I know we all go through hardships, but I like to remind you, remind myself to live life before we are dead. Not wait until our final minutes, final days to tell someone that we love them. If we talk to someone who is on their last days, they will probably talk about things that they didn't do and they wish they had done. And all the amazing experiences that they will cherish forever. We have multiple opportunities to live. And I understand that not every day is easy to get out of bed but we always have a power to choose and really have this as a reminder what I just said. Our environment really shapes us. So if you are in an environment or relationships that are not supporting you on your journey now, please make your powerful choice to choose yourself, to work on your self-worth so you can live your life before you are dead, so there are no regrets. There is no no. There are no rocks left unturned, and you can have an ecstatic death, an ecstatic life. But nobody can do this for us, so that brings us to self accountability. Is seeing life as the beautiful place that it is. And then we can go towards the last one. That was the last one. <laughs> uh, when I was meditating about connecting with you all, what really came as a last thought is that even though grief is a unique experience, we do not have to go through it alone. So even though uh, each one of you are going through is your unique experience, I am so honored to be here now. And I find it so beautiful to have community because life is about how much we loved. All the accomplishment, accomplishments, the, man, the money on the bank account, nobody's going to remember that. They will remember the time that they baked a the cake with you or that you went on this amazing hike together that you... Had an amazing time at the beach. You know, those are the memories we'll carry with ourselves and that people have from us. So we don't have to go through this alone. If you are alone now, you know me. I know you are in this community. So I hope that you're not alone. But you can always reach out to me. I'm happy to be a loving awareness to each one of you. And I see you in all your strength. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you, everyone, for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on
2: thriving.